Section two, chapter ten of the Life and Adventures of Santa Claus by Al Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jadopi. Section two, manhood. Chapter ten, Christmas Eve. The day that broke as Claus returned from his night ride with Glossy and Flossy brought to him a new trouble. Will Nook, the chief guardian of the deer, came to him, surly and ill-tempered, to complain that he had kept Glossy and Flossy beyond daybreak, in opposition to his orders. Yet it could not have been very long after daybreak, said Claus. It was one minute after, answered Will Nook, and that is as bad as one hour. I shall set the stinging gnats on Glossy and Flossy, and they will thus suffer terribly for their disobedience. Don't do that, begged Claus. It was my fault. But Will Nook would listen to no excuses, and went away grumbling and growling in his ill-natured way. For this reason, Claus entered the forest to consult Nasil about rescuing the good deer from punishment. To his delight, he found his old friend, the master woodsman, seated in the circle of nymphs. Ak listened to the story of the night journey, to the children, and of the great assistance the deer had been to Claus by drawing his sledge over the frozen snow. I do not wish my friends to be punished if I can save them, said the toy maker when he had finished the relation. They were only one minute late. And they ran swifter than a bird flies to get home before daybreak. Ak stroked his beard thoughtfully a moment, and then sent for the prince of the Nooks, who rules all his people in Burzee, and also for the queen of the fairies and the prince of the Rills. When all had assembled, Claus told his story again at Ak's command, and then the master addressed the prince of the Nooks, saying. The good work that Claus is doing among mankind deserves the support of every honest immortal. Already he is called a saint in some of the towns, and before long the name of Santa Claus will be lovingly known in every home that is blessed with children. Moreover, he is a son of our forest, so we owe him our encouragement. You, ruler of the Nooks. Have known him these many years. Am I not right in saying he deserves our friendship? The prince, crooked and sour of visage as all nooks are, looked only upon the dead leaves at his feet and muttered, "You are the master woodsman of the world." Ak smiled, but continued in soft tones. It seems that the deer which are guarded by your people can be of great assistance to Claus, and as they seem willing to draw his sledge, I beg that you will permit him to use their services whenever he pleases. The prince did not reply, but tapped the curled point of his sandal with the tip of his spear, as if in thought. Then the fairy queen spoke to him in this way. If you consent to Ak's request, I will see that no harm comes to your deer while they are away from the forest. And the prince of the Rills added, "For my part, I will allow to every deer that assists Claus the privilege of eating my casa plants, which give strength, and my grawl plants, which give fleetness of foot, and my marbon plants, 
which give long life. And the queen of the nymphs said, The deer which draw the sledge of claws will be permitted to bathe in the forest pool of Nares, which will give them sleek coats and wonderful beauty. The prince of the nooks, hearing these promises, shifted uneasily on his seat, for in his heart he hated to refuse a request of his fellow immortals, although they were asking an unusual favor at his hands, and the nooks are unaccustomed to granting favors of any kind. Finally he turned to his servants and said, Call Will Nook. When Surly Will came and heard the demands of the immortals, he protested loudly against granting them. Deer are deer, said he, and nothing but deer. Were they horses, it would be right to harness them like horses. But no one harnesses deer, because they are free, wild creatures, owing no service of any sort to mankind. It would degrade my deer to labor for Claus, who was only a man, in spite of the friendship lavished on him by the immortals. You have heard, said the prince to Ak, there is truth in what Will says. Call Glossy and Flossy, returned the master. The deer were brought to the conference, and Ak asked them if they objected to drawing the sledge for Claus. No, indeed, replied Glossy. We enjoyed the trip very much. And we tried to get home by daybreak, added Flossy, but were unfortunately a minute too late. A minute lost at daybreak doesn't matter, said Ak. You are forgiven for that delay. Provided it does not happen again, said the prince of the nooks sternly. And will you permit them to make another journey with me? asked Claus eagerly. The prince reflected while he gazed at Will, who was scowling, and at the master woodsman, who was smiling. Then he stood up and addressed the company as follows. Since you all urge me to grant the favor, I will permit the deer to go with Claus once every year, on Christmas Eve, provided they always return to the forest by daybreak. He may select any number he pleases, up to ten, to draw his sledge, and those shall be known among us as reindeer to distinguish them from the others, and they shall bathe in the pool of Nares and eat the casa and grawl and marbon plants and shall be under the especial protection of the fairy queen. And now cease scowling, Will Nook, for my words shall be obeyed. He hobbled quickly away through the trees to avoid the thanks of Claus and the approval of the other immortals, and Will, looking as cross as ever, followed him. But Ak was satisfied, knowing that he could rely on the promise of the prince, however grudgingly given, and Glossy and Flossy ran home, kicking up their heels delightedly at every step. When is Christmas Eve? Claus asked the master. In about ten days, he replied. Then I cannot use the deer this year, said Claus thoughtfully for I shall not have time enough to make my sack full of toys. The shrewd prince foresaw that, responded Ak, 
and therefore named Christmas Eve as the day you might use the deer, knowing it would cause you to lose an entire year. If I only had the toys the Agua stole from me, said Claus sadly, I could easily fill my sack for the children. Where are they? asked the master. I do not know, replied Claus, but the wicked Aguas probably hid them in the mountains. Ak turned to the fairy queen. Can you find them? he asked. I will try, she replied brightly. Then Claus went back to the Laughing Valley to work as hard as he could, and a band of fairies immediately flew to the mountain that had been haunted by the Aguas and began a search for the stolen toys. The fairies, as we well know, possess wonderful powers, but the cunning Aguas had hidden the toys in a deep cave and covered the opening with rocks so no one could look in. Therefore, all search for the missing playthings proved in vain for several days, and Claus, who sat at home waiting for news from the fairies, almost despaired of getting the toys before Christmas Eve. He worked hard every moment, but it took considerable time to carve out and to shape each toy and to paint it properly, so that on the morning before Christmas Eve only half of one small shelf above the window was filled with playthings ready for the children. But on this morning the fairies who were searching in the mountains had a new thought. They joined hands and moved in a straight line through the rocks that formed the mountain, beginning at the topmost peak and working downward, so that no spot could be missed by their bright eyes. And at last they discovered the cave where the toys had been heaped up by the wicked Aguas. It did not take them long to burst open the mouth of the cave, and then each one seized as many toys as he could carry, and then all flew to Claus and laid the treasure before him. The good man was rejoiced to receive just in the nick of time such a store of playthings with which to load his sledge, and he sent word to Glossy and Flossy to be ready for the journey at nightfall. With all his other labors he had managed to find time, since the last trip, to repair the harness and to strengthen his sledge, so that when the deer came to him at twilight he had no difficulty in harnessing them. We must go in another direction tonight, he told them. Where we shall find children I have never yet visited, and we must travel fast and work quickly, for my sack is full of toys and running over the brim. So just as the moon arose they dashed out of the Laughing Valley and across the plain and over the hills to the south. The air was sharp and frosty, and the starlight touched the snowflakes and made them glitter like countless diamonds. The reindeer leaped onward with strong, steady bounds, and Claus's heart was so light and merry that he laughed and sang while the wind whistled past his ears. With a ho-ho-ho and a ha-ha-ha and a ho-ho-ha-ha-hee, now away we go over the frozen snow, as merry as we can be. Jack Frost heard him and came racing up with his nippers, but when he saw it was Claus, he laughed and turned away again. The mother owls heard him as he passed near a wood and stuck their heads out of the hollow places in the tree trunks, 
but when they saw who it was, they whispered to the owlets resting near them that it was only Santa Claus carrying toys to the children. It is strange how much those mother owls know. Claus stopped at some of the scattered farmhouses and climbed down the chimneys to leave presents for the babies. Soon after, he reached a village and worked merrily for an hour distributing playthings among the sleeping little ones. Then away again he went, singing his joyous carol. Now away we go o'er the gleaming snow while the deer run swift and free. For to girls and boys we carry the toys that will fill their hearts with glee. The deer liked the sound of his deep bass voice and kept time to the song with their hoofbeats on the hard snow. But soon they stopped at another chimney and Santa Claus, with sparkling eyes and face brushed red by the wind, climbed down its smoky sides and left a present for every child the house contained. It was a merry, happy night. Swiftly the deer ran and busily their driver worked to scatter his gifts among the sleeping children. But the sack was empty at last and the sledge headed homeward, and now again the race with daybreak began. Glossy and Flossie had no mind to be rebuked a second time for tardiness, so they fled with a swiftness that enabled them to pass the gale on which the Frost King rode and soon brought them to the Laughing Valley. It is true when Claus released his steeds from their harness, the eastern sky was streaked with gray, but Glossy and Flossie were deep in the forest before day fairly broke. Claus was so wearied with his night's work that he threw himself upon his bed and fell into a deep slumber. And while he slept, the Christmas sun appeared in the sky and shone upon hundreds of happy homes where the sound of childish laughter proclaimed that Santa Claus had made them a visit. God bless him. It was his first Christmas Eve, and for hundreds of years since then, he has nobly fulfilled his mission to bring happiness to the hearts of little children. End of chapter 10. Recording by Jadopi. www.publicdomainaudiobooks.blogspot.com.